Teachers Talk Film. I'm Pete Ray here with my good friend and fellow teacher, Mitchell Main. Today, we are talking Once Upon a Time in America. You know, usually when we start these episodes, we throw it to the other person, but I'm, I'm going to hold <laughs> off on that real quick because I have an apology to make. I apologize as a full-time worker with kind of a second job with and you're the same full-time job um you have a puppy you have a wife who in their right mind who in their right mind picks a three hour and 49 minute movie to watch i mean what was i thinking i i apologize to the fans to ttf nation if if i ever if i ever try and pick a four-hour movie even 3:30, even three hour please talk to me about it first because i it took me three installments to watch this movie and i i just feel bad about it if you if you looked at how long this movie was and just said i'm out what are they thinking i understand so i'd just like to start this episode with an apology and there it is yeah man uh once upon a time i had free time um but this past week has been crazy dude like not only uh, am i like the last week with seniors so like doing senior finals um not only is the ap lang exam taking place next week um but i have to watch a four-hour movie on top of those things um yeah, I appreciate the apology. Um, I don't know what you were thinking. This is a summer movie for us um, when we have time. Um, I appreciate the apology, like I said. Um, but you know what? As I was watching it, I wasn't ever, like, mad like about it. You even texted me. You're like, dude, next time tell me before I pick a four-hour movie. Um I asked, you want to know what I asked myself? I constantly was saying, all right, Mitchell Main, you have to put in overtime. What would Kobe Bryant do right now? Oh, yes. And, you know, Kobe Bryant would do whatever it took to get the task done. And so what did I do? I did whatever it took to get the task done. Um, I were you, were you sweating on the couch? <laughs> yeah, put waking up at 4 a.m. sweating yeah. before work, putting in two hours of getting in the gym, putting up shots. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you what I was doing though. I was um, watching this on my iPhone during plan today because um, waking up this morning, I still had like a good hour, 40 minutes. Um, I had a meeting after school, which I want to circle back to. Um, cause it's a really cool thing I want to talk about. Um, awesome. and then this is bad TTF nation. I downloaded the film on Netflix on my phone and I might've allegedly watched it while I was driving home at the same time. Oh my <laughs> Oh my but TTF goodness. Nation, before you call me crazy, I do it for you. I do it for you, TTF Nation. Um, I thought, man, our loyal listeners were would be upset if I did not put in the time. 
Um, like we said a few episodes ago, we're all in with the podcast. Um, and so I have to be all in and that's going to make the things challenging. Sometimes it's going to require some sacrifice. And so I sacrificed uh, the safety of not only myself, but others around me on the highway and watched it allegedly um, on my phone at the same time. Um, but you know what? I got it done. I literally just finished it before getting on this. Um, we make things work around here. Man dies in fiery <laughs> crash. Phone still played. Three hour, 49 minute, once upon a time in America. Rolling end credits. <laughs> well, that, you know what? That is dedication that, uh, I mean, you watched it at work. You watched it allegedly on the way home. Uh, again, again, my sincerest apologies. Uh, maybe my next movie will have to be a good 90 minuter because, man, that, that was long. But you know what? I will say, I'm glad I finished it. Like, I'm glad it's checked off the list. It's like when you go on a road, long road trip, it's like you get there and you're done. That's how I feel. We've done it. We can just enjoy it now. I agree. And the you don't need to just jump into a 90-minute movie afterwards. But, dude, like, a two-and-a-half-hour movie is long. I agree. Throw another hour on top of that. <laughs> like, dude, like, this is, like, two-and-a-half movies. Um, and, well, and, that, and actually, they... Sergio Leone, I was looking up, he wanted to make it two movies and they wouldn't let him. And it's like, well, you should have let him because it's ridiculous. It, it pretty much is two movies in one. Yeah, he probably just said, OK, well, I'm just going to produce it as one, but it's going to be two. Um, yeah. yeah, a lot to talk about with that. Um, appreciate yeah. the apology. All right. Moving on from the apology. Thank you for the forgiveness, I hope. Um, what, what's going on? What's good? You said you mentioned a meeting that you maybe wanted to talk about. What's up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, again, I was going to get home early today and finish the rest of the film comfortably on my couch. Um, but I got invited to go to this thing, and I won't go into too many details because it's about a student. Um, but it was one of those things that reminds you why we teach and why we do what we do. Um, this student was going through an alternative high school graduation program thing um, with just an incredibly tragic story and upbringing involving them like moving around in multiple places and whatnot and just broken home and things like that. And to see her give her speech today and her presentation and do it with a smile on her face and just be witness to it. Like I was the only teacher that was invited to it. Um, nice. Yeah. And I had her as a 10th grader in mythology and to see her two years later, how much she's matured and progressed um, really was a fresh reminder as to, you know, why we do what we do. We talked about that kind of in the Akiru episode, just yeah. giving um, and seeing then the benefits later. This was one of those things where I saw the benefit and usually after school meetings, I'm just like, <laughs> Why am I here? Why is this not in just an email? Um, yeah, I contemplated like, man, should I just go home and watch 
once upon a time in America, but I'm glad I did that um, and went to the meeting because it was super, super cool. Yeah. Just a reminder why we do what we do. We don't do it for the money clearly. Um, (laughs) But yeah, just impacting kids. That was really, really cool. Yeah, that is cool. I always feel like that too, like just teaching them as freshmen. Like I've always like, man, they, they kind of, they move on after their freshman. They don't want to remember their freshman year. So those ones that like, yeah, you said you had this girl as a sophomore. She still remembers you and like remembers the impact she had on you. That is the biggest gift that like you can ever give somebody. And it, it's the most amazing feeling to be like, hey, I had an impact on a person's life. Exactly. That's pretty stinking cool. Yeah, there's nothing better, honestly. Really nothing better than, yeah, in, impacting someone's life. I was talking to my students today and I, it somehow randomly came up like, do you like your job? And I was like, I love my job. Uh, and a kid asked, like, do you wake up in the morning and like dread it? And I was like, maybe one day out of my entire teaching career, I've been like, man, I don't know if I can do this today. But the rest, I'm like, I'm ready to go every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the best. It is hard, though, to get out of bed sometimes. Well, that's a different yeah, the, the mindset of getting <laughs> getting out and being like, I'm ready to go to work. Yes. The getting up. I mean, I hit my snooze three, four times every morning. Yeah. 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 No, it's not the actual job itself. Just getting there is the hardest part. Why can't we start school at 10 in the morning? Yeah, we have to have like contractual hours. So we would be getting out probably like 430, which that's I'm, okay, not about. I'm not that's about okay. that. Nah, I'm okay with that. Uh, if you could sleep in every day, just wake up normally. See, you don't have the Kobe Bryant mentality, dude. Oh, uh, you don't have the Mamba mentality over here like we do. Um, I'm just trying to fix our, our problems. Our world <laughs> yeah. problems. Yeah, you're thinking on a grandiose scale how we can get kids actually alive in the classroom. Yeah, I don't have a first hour this year, and I think I have one next year. And I just know like, man, first hour, you're basically teaching pillars of stone at eight o'clock in the morning. There's sometimes some of the best classes though, because you can really, really just get into your content without them refuting or asking too many questions because they don't, Yes, they're not awake. (laughs) Yeah. They just let it fall over them Yeah, um, because they, they're no energy to fight it. Exactly. Exactly. You guys are done with track and transitioning. Are you guys done with track yet? Tomorrow is the final meet. Ah. Yes. Yeah, so you know what? Great season. I learned a lot. Um, I ran a hundred meter sprint the other day. And what was your time? Are you are you brave enough to post it here? I'm brave you? enough to say this. I raced an eighth grade girl. <laughs> I'm 26, nearly 27. I raced an eighth grade girl. It was close. It was really close. And I I was, like, she smoked me. <laughs> no, 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 no. I would not let that happen. I would run my knees into the ground before that <laughs> happened. But I felt so lightheaded and like I needed water or a McDonald's cheeseburger so bad after it that it was very humbling, very humbling to say the least. I can imagine. Yeah. You have like the one true ounce of athleticism left in you. You just spent it all there. <laughs> yep. Yep. And uh, that took up like my whole week. Like there was nothing left, left in me for the week. 
That's okay. That's okay. Yeah, you did it. They saw you. They were witness. You did your your part. So, Mr. Ray, are you going to do track coaching next year? Yeah, I'd do it again for sure. Yeah, it's a ton of fun. It's laid back. Um, being there for those kids that like really care about, like keeping a kid's time for like a lap that they care about is one of the coolest feelings in the world just to be like watching them and watching them try and beat it and work hard it's awesome it's it's really cool that is cool yeah just pushing limits um beyond what they're accustomed to yeah i dig it i dig it yeah uh are you going to get into the sports world in the future i feel like you need to coach something man no um (laughs) i uh i coached freshman basketball I was like the assistant coach a few years back before the world got crazy um before I taught AP um AP and just that I'm hoping to do the concurrent enrollment within the future recent or the close future so that would be college classes just I don't want to and no disrespect to coaches but I don't want to coach and then come home and then just have a bunch of grading to do and things like that. I have three, four hour movies to watch when I get home. Um, and I give so much at school. I'm an introvert. By the time I get home and like school days over and I'm done with my work there, like I get home and I want to just not talk. Stare uh, at the wall. Yeah. Stare at a wall and not talk and mindlessly scroll through Twitter um, using our handle at teacher film talk. Uh, <laughs> what a plug, man. Yeah. That, was that was beautiful. That was an English teacher's transitional dream right there. Which that's right. Did. That's right. Um, but I, I don't like if I were to volunteer every once in a while, I would be down. Um, I do a lot of other extracurricular things. I'm sponsor of the ski and board club. I do like a missions abroad club. I'm wanting to, um, continue the film club at our school next year because the teacher's retiring. Um, so I have my hands full. I have my hands full. I don't need that. Let me suggest for the film club that you do not show once upon a time in America, because there's a, there's a few parts that may be an issue for the whole school realm of things. Yeah. About three minutes in, I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's let's slowly work our way into this movie. And one of the things that I feel like this movie is I really noticed. We've talked about nicknames on this podcast before yes. with The Wrestler. And I, I really doubt that we can top what we talked about with The Wrestler. No. Um, again, if you haven't listened to that, episode four, I believe. Great episode. Great episode. Great movie. Go back, listen to it. Um a lot of old timey nicknames in in this movie. Just a few. Noodles, our main character. His name is just Noodles. Yeah. Do we? I don't even think we find out why his name is Noodles, but his name no is Noodles. No idea. Yeah, no idea. We have Fat Mo. We have Bugsy. We have Cockeye, and we also have Jimmy Clean Hands. I feel like I'm probably leaving some out, but. Those are the main ones. So what I want to know is we came up with our wrestling nicknames. What's your old timey? You live in the 1930s. What's your nickname walking around the streets of New York City? So this was a hard question. I agree. Um, it was tough. Yeah, because I didn't do it related like 
to me in any way. Like it has no sentimental value to my name at all. I just thought of like, what would I want to call people if I was a mob gangster in the roaring twenties? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I thought about that accent um, and I'm going to do my best with it and it's going to oh, be terrible. Uh, I can't um, wait, but I'll do it just regularly. The only thing that I could come up with was Buster. Ooh, hey, yeah. Buster, pull up your britches, will you? <laughs> and so then I got nothing I could think of. In anything. the 1930s, you're not only called Buster, but you you sag your pants. Yeah, if I was teaching in the 1930s <laughs> and I have one of my students come in just sagging, I'd be like, hey, Buster, pull up your britches or I'm sending you down to the principal's office. <laughs> Oh my God. Oh my goodness. What, what it's, and I, you know, I bet that that sentence was said in the 1930s many times. A hundred percent. Yeah. I've traveled to the multiverse and through the multiverse. And yeah, I've seen it with my own eyes. Wow. Well, I, I mean, I definitely cannot top that in any way. <laughs> For some reason, when I think of this, two came to mind. I feel like we have Jimmy clean hands. Like I feel like it has to end in a P or in a Y. So I feel like it's got to start PD PD. And I, I want to say fast hands for some reason. I've never boxed a day in my life. So <laughs> that would make absolutely no sense. Um, but that's what I have. And it's stuck into my brain and I literally cannot think of, of anything else. Like maybe PD slow feet. There's the opposite. <laughs> I, I'm a Can little you say stuck. it with the accent? Can you say it with the accent? I'm, I'm really bad at doing this on the spot. Like I'm saying it in my head right now, and it sounds you fantastic. Say, hey, Petey Slofie. Here we go. <laughs> no, it's not going to happen because on the, on the spot, oh, oh it's, <laughs> it's so close to coming out, but I just, there's a little ounce of fear stopping me. You know what? I may drop it an hour into this episode later okay. on. Just out of nowhere, it'll hit me. It'll come through. Because then that's less less on the spot. Yeah. You just got to do it, man. Hey, Petey Slofie, pick up your feet, will you? <laughs> I can't do it if you ask me to do it. It will not happen. Uh, fair enough. Fair enough. But I give all the props to you for just <laughs> blasting it out there. Just do it, man. Yeah. I, yeah. We won't hold it against him. TTF Nation again. We, we forgive Petey Slowfeet for his sins already. <laughs> the other one is, I, I for some reason, I would really just love to be called Teach. Like, that's a cool nickname, but you can't give yourself a nickname. So it's, it's impossible for, and all my friends and people I work with are teachers, so they're not going to call me Teach. So I think what I'd like to do, and maybe I'll, I'll do this tomorrow, I'm going to go to like a biker bar and whenever somebody says, what's up, I'm just going to be like, Hey, I'm a teacher. And anytime they hear that, maybe they'll just like start calling me teach out of nowhere. Cause I think that that's a, Hey, teach what's up. I, you Have you ever, has a student ever called you teach before? No, no. I've had it. It's weird. I don't like it. Yeah. It made me feel uncomfortable. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I want a kid calling me teach. I want, I want a, a group of uh, a, a group of Harley Davidson riding 
uh, bikers for some reason to just call me teach, to pull me into their gang as not really one of them because I'm not one of them, but I, I've got the cool nickname, so I feel like I'm a part of them. Yeah, the kid that I, he said like, thanks, teach. And I was like, oh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't like that. <laughs> not happy about I'd that. I'd rather you call me my first name, and I don't like that either. <laughs> but that might be my biggest pet peeve of all time. They come up to you and say, hey, Pete. Not funny. Don't, like, I, I, I honestly dislike you the second that happens. Yeah, any, any of um, Mr. Ray's students listening, Pete is not his name. It's Mr. Ray. It's Mr. Ray. That's right. It's Mr. Ray or you know what? Principal's office yeah. for you. The principal's office. <laughs> and I'm saying it like that, too. Yeah. <laughs> So you're just weirded out by it. Exactly. Yeah, they will definitely never call you Pete again. I, I would sure hope not. Yes. All right. Um, let's get into this movie. Let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, synopsis. A former Prohibition-era Jewish gangster returns to the Lower East Side of Manhattan over 30 years later, where he once again must confront the ghosts and regrets of his old life this stars robert de niro james woods it's directed by famed uh western movie director sergio leone this is once upon a time in america i think what i want to start out with is which storyline do you like the most because we kind of got three main ones going on we've got our first one in, I think it's 1918, where they're kids, uh, like Robert De Niro's character is a kid, and we get that story. Then we have the 1930s, where it's like Prohibition and all that stuff. Mm. Uh, and then we have the 1968 with our gray-haired Bob De Niro. Uh, so which, which one is your favorite? Which one you want to talk about first? Oh, great question. Great question. This is why we pay you. Um I want to say I've received no payment from this podcast <laughs> <Yeah>. yet. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see. Man, I really like, I mean, the first one, the more I think about it, the more I can justify all of them. Um, the first one that came into my head was young De Niro, actually, not even De Niro. So, like the 1918, they're all okay. kids. I really yeah. like that. All right, discuss, expand. Why? Why? Uh, I feel like I'm talking to one of my students here. Uh, you got to expand on these thoughts. Give me some evidence. Give me some background. Yeah, I always say elaborate. Um, yes. So elaborate. Let's see. Um, I liked the young depictions of De Niro and the gang. I'm going to call him Noodles because that's his name. It's not De Niro at that point. Um, Noodles in the gang because a lot of the actions that they do later on in the film unspeakable things um things that i it's hard to watch at times Mm -hmm. specifically with noodles um the it doesn't justify their actions when they're young um but it shows kind of like their upbringing um one thing that i was thinking about this whole time this movie was going on was the like the nature versus nurture debate 
Oh um, yeah. Because noodles, he at a young age he becomes fond of um, Deborah. The ladies. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and so it's clear though that Deborah and Noodles live totally different lives, even as kids. Um, like Noodles is obviously hanging out with Fat Mo, which is her brother, I think. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but she has these big aspirations to be this dancer, later turned actress. Um, whereas Noodles is kind of just like this street thug um trying to do whatever he can to scrape some coin or whatever um they very much so have different upbringings and then obviously that's um further elaborated on as they get older um like they continue to drift more and more apart um it was a love story that i kind of wanted to come to fruition because i thought like noodles would have changed his act a little bit um then we wouldn't have as had an interesting of a story um but nonetheless it it showcases the like the psychology behind his actions because like i said he does things that i would never think of doing in a million years um but yeah just further highlighted through their adolescent age um very inventive too which is what i found like they have a they definitely have a mind for business that comes at a young age there's like the the scene where they make like the little like the balloon barricaded box thing to like import like drugs or something. Yeah. I just wrote floating drugs. I think yeah, it's I alcohol. I thought it was drugs because it was yeah, before something. prohibition and like it, they clearly weren't big enough to like carry booze or anything really of big magnitude. Um, yeah. So I thought it was just them like drug smuggling. Um, but yeah, like you see those little specks or little like seeds of inspiration that leads into them being the mobsters that they turned into. Yeah, I think one of the greatest scenes is the pocket watch scene at the very beginning when we first meet uh, Max. When he shows up, uh, Noodle shows up and uh, they're trying to like swindle the drunk guy and he, they like take his pocket watch and then, or Max takes his pocket watch and then he takes it back and then the cop's right there and how smooth he and Max are to be like, my uncle gave me that. Like, yeah, we're on the same team now, even though they're fighting against each other. It's just like so smooth. And it's like these little kids know so much more than like more street smarts than both of us combined at at a young age. And like you said, yeah, we see that in the future with their yeah, that they're turning into mobsters. But yeah, it's, it's cool to see that start at a young age. And I also like the, is it Bugsy? Yeah, Bugsy's, they're like, their nemesis. Right. I like that part. It's kind of like the climax of that storyline is they're like the youngest kid. I think his name is Dominic. He, mm-hmm. him getting shot, that moment where he, that last line that he has where he's like, I slipped uh and he obviously delivers it much better than i just did but that's like it's it's heartbreaking like these kids they're not great kids they're doing bad things but it's it's heartbreaking to watch that happen and then watch noodles just like stab um stab bugsy and then that leads to him going to jail and kind of transplants us into the future that was a crazy moment um 
there's a lot that goes on not even just that but like the beginning of um his and noodles and max's relationship because they kind of like seem like they're enemies at first like they always are butting heads with each other um i definitely didn't expect the twist at the end um that we'll get into um but what did you think about sort of like their upbringing like max and noodles and like how they interacted versus what they came to be yeah it was cool it was like almost like they were they were meant for each other uh because of what they wanted to do and like to do as kids and max seemed kind of older and like he was the leader uh and at the same time noodles is making his way for himself and one of the things that i think is interesting is the i think it happens in probably every storyline is that max max like makes noodles make important decisions and it seems to always be between a girl and like continuing on with their i guess professional career their money making uh activities so yeah i thought that that relationship was interesting that max is almost like controlling noodles to do all these things uh and definitely has some power over him i thought was interesting i feel like Max is the character that undergoes the most transformation. Um, You talked a lot about like the control that Max has over noodles, which I agree with. He also seems to be kind of like still, still sheltered in a way. Like he's not fully as committed to this, like, this is terrible but like this savage lifestyle like um noodles was like he's very much telling him to do things without being the guy in charge and standing up for it um i thought that was illustrated well through um the scene where it's max noodles and the cop um on top of the roof with peggy yeah um, I'm not going to get too much into that, um, but like Max is hesitant in that moment. Do you remember? Do you know what I'm referring to? Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah okay. them taking the picture of the cop and blackmailing him, extorting him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So like he's very much so like still like not innocent, but definitely sheltered more than uh, noodles. We get a l- little bit of background of noodles. Um his family life it's really really brief when he's like walking back to his apartment and you can hear his parents yelling and he just goes and grabs a book and goes and sits in the bathroom yeah and that's so obviously like he's more like less sheltered I guess we can say more open to the tragedies of the world and things like that and so obviously he has less of a like a guilty conscience, I think, because he's just been growing up around it. Um, which yeah, and I think that to... go ahead. That happens. That like that definitely still happens today. Like kids go home, and that's what they go home to, and they don't they don't know the difference of like having parents that aren't um, like uh, crazy is not the right word, but as maybe caring as they should be. So they mm-hmm. they are they do things on their own and. Uh, they just kind of figure it out themselves so 
you know, I think that that's something that was all the way back in the twenties. Like that's something that still goes on today. I think so. Yeah. It's definitely hyperbolized maybe in the yeah. film. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah, I would hope so. I mean, but we never know. We, you and I, we're both, we've both have sheltered lives. Let's be vanilla. Real. Yeah. 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 So we can never say for sure. Um, well, let's move on to the the 30s, that that storyline. Uh, and then we'll maybe finish up with 68. Uh, so we get into like prohibition. The main thing I think is Noodles gets out of jail. I thought that, that the transitions from like past to present to future to where the transitions were cool. Like it happened, it happened almost without you knowing. Uh, and that was one of them too. I think it's, it's the suitcase, right? He's holding the suitcase and then all of a sudden it's, it's Max picking it up and he's out of jail all of a sudden. Like those are, those are really cool. But then, yeah, we're transported back into the thirties. Dude. And the de-aging of De Niro was flawless. (laughs) Like it looked so real, like from the thirties to the older De Niro, like you wait, wait, wait. You can tell he's older, obviously, but like they did a good job. So not de-aging, the aging. But what did I say? You said de-aging. Oh. I don't think he was de-aged ever. No, because right? yeah, right? he was definitely that age. He was young, like the 1930s was right, right, actually right. him present time. I was like, hold on, no way. No, 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 the aging. That Sorry. old. ETF Nation. <laughs> ETF Nation, forgive me. No, the aging of him was great. Like all okay, the yeah. flashbacks and flash forwards, like. They definitely don't tell you like two years later or whatever. You you definitely just see it, but it looks real. It looks authentic. Yeah, that first one where we go into like the future, uh, where he's like leaving, and he, I think he's actually coming back at that point. But he's just got gray hair. Like he he looked like himself. He's just got gray hair. So I like that they they weren't. It was clear, but they weren't direct about it. Like, hey, yeah, it's the future now. It was just no. He looks older. This is this is an amount of time in the future, and you'll figure it out later how how fast it is into the future. Yeah, I thought that was great. Um, one thing, what did you want to say specifically about the little '30s piece? Because there was something I wanted to talk about with that. Um, I don't think I had too much. Uh, mainly, just we see Max and Noodles, like I guess their relationship go through some ups and downs. They start doing some bad things and then they start doing some very bad things, some like unspeakable things. Um, so, yeah, I, I feel like the 30s storyline isn't my favorite. I think I'd probably go with the later one. Uh, so, yeah, what do you want to say? I just thought it was that's interesting, first of all, that you like the older one the best. We're kind of on both ends of the spectrum there. Yeah. Um, I liked how well maybe liked isn't the right word um it just reminded me so much of the great gatsby but just like a an r-rated version of the great gatsby Um, i was i was just reading before this just kind of doing some research and that was one of the books that sergio leone like read before he filmed it so it definitely inspired uh the movie so nice Nice yeah. connection here. Yeah, I teach the Great Gatsby with my seniors, and like 
we talk about the roaring 20s and like the idea of these people like acquiring material goods at whatever cost and like losing their sense of morality and things like that and like flapper culture with the women and we see that all throughout like Peggy we see older Peggy which made me kind of laugh um when she yeah yeah the old version of Peggy Um, I thought that scene was cool when he comes to the bar and he's like we he's re-meeting all these people and we're re-meeting them too like he's running in all these people I thought that they did a really good job there like that was just naturally filling us in on what he's missed and what we've missed too yeah I agree with that yeah they um they kind of like sprinkle in little plot points for us as we go through it's not too hard to follow um it's just long um but no yeah. I, yeah i liked the great gatsby sort of feel to it um like i was thinking to myself like man if there was like a class where i could like teach things and like do things with this like that would be the perfect connection um but clearly you can't show any of this in public schools um <laughs> rightfully so right i mean there are terrible things um but what i'm ultimately getting at is just the idea of what these people would go through and the extent of which they would do things in order to obtain wealth or material goods diamonds that scene with the diamonds uh uncomfortable to say the least extremely yeah um and i'm not gonna say it um just uncomfortable um and then yeah just acquiring money and things like that all the things that they would do in order to get it was just absolutely just like primitive nature of man there was one line in the movie that i wrote down um and this is in the 1930s realm or the world uh it said it's either the late 20s or the early 30s does it specifically say I want to say it's 1928, but that's I'm pulling that out of somewhere. I don't know. Yeah, because I think Prohibition ended in the early 30s. The moment I'm speaking of right now is like at the very end. So like right before. So probably the late 20s. Um, One of the guys said this country is still growing up. Um, It's good to have diseases while it's still young. Um, It's like they're trying to justify what they're doing. And they feel like since everything is so new and like the world was changing, you talk about like industrial revolution and things like that. Um, They feel like it's almost like just an experiment of how far you can go. And they were definitely testing the boundaries to say the least. Yeah. And I definitely, it's, I I mean, I love gangster movies where we get to look back and I'm like you said earlier, it's hyperbolized. It's exaggerated. But it is just kind of cool to like, I, I would never actually want to be a gangster, but in your in the back of your head, like, it's like, man, I wish that I could walk around in a suit and wear a cool hat all the time and just go do some minor crimes for fun. And if you get caught now, nah, you just go to jail for a little bit and you come back out and <laughs> you, you just start back up again. Like, it just seems like things were less serious back then, which they probably weren't. Or maybe they were. I don't know. It's just, I think that's why we like gangster movies. It's just people doing bad things. um, And it's kind of cool to 
think about that. One of the things I wrote down or I thought about when watching this film, it was the very opening scene where it's just the three dudes in the peacoats. Yeah. Like, man, what do I have to do to get one of those peacoats and that hat? Because the hats, so man. Sick, dude. The ha- they just come out, they shield your face. They, But you can never pull one off these days. It stinks, man. No, you would look like a weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> you would live in your own world. I mean, I would respect it. If I saw somebody dressed like that, I'd be like, all right, dude, like you do you. But I, yeah, I don't think I have the courage. Let's get some giant coats, man. Let's just get some giant tweed, long coats. We can add in the hats later, but... If we just walked around some giant coats like that, well, we could start something here. So I do have like a a large black pea coat. Um, wow, kind of similar. How far does it go one. down? Yeah, maybe I'll take a selfie with it and post it on the. Twitter. How far does it go down? Is it is it like <laughs> touching the ankles? Is it touching the knees? It's it's definitely no. It's like above the knee, barely. Mm, I think it's got to go below the knee to be cool. Yeah, uh, you're <laughs> probably right. You're probably right. Is That's pretty much how far as theirs went. They went down like all the way to the like mid thigh. No, mid leg, I would say. But then some of those guys, like at the beginning, the guy with the gray hair who's shooting people, I feel like his is touching his, touching his heels. That's too much. That's too ambitious, I feel. I disagree. I want my coat picking up New York City trash as I'm walking by. (laughs) I mean, they kind of are the trash of New York City personified. Wow. Wow. That was that was deep, deep, deep. Just kidding. That was not deep. It was deep enough. But they kind of are, though. Oh, they, they totally are. One scene that shows that they are trash. You don't mess with another man's kid. The baby heist. That's what I wrote down. I mean, complete chaos. I I actually liked it because it was more lighthearted than some of the other scenes that we have. Um, But them going in and messing with the the whole setup for that, where the cop um, is just so excited. And he's like, I finally have a son. I've got three, four daughters already. I finally have a son. And then they switch the babies around like that. I, I really like that scene in this timeline. Uh, I, I just thought it was, I thought it was kind of funny, but also, yes, trash messed up. Not, <laughs> not very nice, especially that they lose it and they lose the sheet and they just laugh. It's like, oh, well, that's funny. Yeah, just super fun to watch in a movie, but I would not want to be anywhere near them at any point. Um, the baby scene, that... I'm so glad it turned out the way it did, like in terms of because we saw leading up to that point, just these dudes do crazy, heinous things. It's like, man, if they do anything to harm the life of these babies. Yeah. May, I might be turning off the movie. Yes. Um, but they just they did a modest baby swap. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so which is terrible. But yeah, the the police guy gets his baby and he's hoping it's a boy or knows it's a boy and he's super psyched about it. And then he realizes it's a girl and it's this huge scheme thing basically to get him to um, comply with their wishes and things like that. Um, that, that, that scene had me on edge. That scene um, on edge. If we ever start a band, it's going to be called modest baby swap. Yeah. <laughs> 
like modest mouse yeah modest baby swap <laughs> yeah there you go great band name uh the the 30s timeline again kind of ends with it kind of ends twice it almost ends at the very beginning of the movie when noodles walks up in the rain and sees all three of his friends dead uh and that's like one of the first scenes that we see and i really liked knowing that they were going to die like that we're kind of always in flashback i really like that just knowing that it was coming and that's what we kind of end and start to get to the end of the actual movie is we see noodles go in and he calls the police because he tell he's basically telling the police hey uh max and these guys they're going to try and rob the federal reserve mm-hmm. which is another storyline and it, it kind of ends right there uh and then we jump to the the future which is in 1968 where de niro noodles comes back and then we have like the last 45 hour of the movie what do you think of the the ending i thought the ending was the ending was what i needed um, I uh, completely agree. I love the last hour of this movie. Yeah, yeah, I really liked it. Um, one before I give you my little ending spiel, I want. Did you feel like, like in stories, like a character's redemption is a huge thing? Like if they're able to redeem themselves throughout. Do you feel like Noodles? He's definitely like trying to seek redemption in a way because like he's trying to save Max's life which is kind of ironic because he's trying to throw him into prison um, because he knows if he goes to prison, the longer he's there, the less he's going to think about actually robbing the federal reserve. Do you think that like redemption was possible for him? Do you think it came to fruition for him? What is your, what is your thought? I, I think in a lot of movies, I want there to be no redemption. Mm. If you're a bad guy, I want you to stay a bad guy. And I think that that's because, I mean, 90% of movies, we know that they're going to have redemption. So it's just kind of become old to me. So I want them to maybe try and get, I want it to be complex. I want them to maybe try and get the redemption, which I think this movie did a good job of, where, yes, he calls the cops, but he doesn't see like the positives out of that because he has to leave and get out of there. So that's where I sit. And I kind of, I was worried at the end of this. I was like, oh man, is he going to come back? And Deborah's going to fall in love with him again. And it's going to be a happy ending. And I was like, please don't let that happen. And it didn't, which was nice. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I always want them. If you're a bad dude, it, the redemption either needs to happen naturally. Or I feel like a lot of times it's forced. What do you think about that? Because that's that's really interesting to think about. I thought he, I think he knew like all along, like, I don't think he was ever intending to be a good person. I don't ever think that was his goal. Like he's not trying to redeem himself. I think the key thing about him was his loyalty. Um, Because like, even in the, the diamond heist scene, um, he's mad because they basically kill that one mobster guy from Detroit um, for his money after they give him the diamonds and then they take the diamonds back, obviously. Um, And noodles is super upset about that because he's like, 
first you have to kill them, but then I'm going to have to kill you. That's going to be part of the job. And I can't do that. Like he's, he's so, he's so mad that he drives a car straight into a lake. Yeah. That, <laughs> that was that's, weird. Yeah. I didn't need that. Was that. Weird. No, I didn't need that. Um, yeah. But no, he's so incredibly loyal. I don't think like being a good person is ever on his agenda. I think he's just trying to save this guy's life once and for all um, at the end of the story. And honestly, going to prison for these guys is probably the more like safe route or the yeah, most really. correct route for these guys because you're either going to end up either dead or in prison um but i thought the twist the twist at the end was really interesting because we see uh basically noodles and i watched this on my phone so i might forget some details here um (laughs) while i was driving on the highway (laughs) allegedly allegedly Uh, (laughs) but noodles basically sees max who is now um senator bailey yes that's his alias um secretary bailey secretary yeah secretary bailey sorry um later on and like this is like max's alias max faked his death um with the help of police um we've talked or we didn't talk about it but this story revolves around like corrupt politicians and government officials in the story and like Max basically becomes one of them at the end. Um, he has a kid with Deborah. Um, and I thought it was interesting, like the kid version of their son was just the kid version of Max from the beginning, right? With with like red hair almost. Yeah. Like that was the because when I when I saw him, I was confused for a second. I was like, wait is this noodles kid no i thought we were in a flashback again i was like did they just flash back without changing the setting like what is going on and then i was like oh wait no 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 and they did a good job in the next scene because uh secretary bailey slash max is looking down at his kid and he's like it's pretty clear hey that's my kid i care about him so yeah but i was confused for a second and yeah they definitely just used the same actor yeah which good move good move especially if you're watching this movie on your iphone 10 on the highway like you don't have to interpret too much um but i thought that was cool um we then have the dialogue this was probably one of my favorite parts it's kind of cheesy um and it kind of doesn't work but for me personally it does they're having their talk at the end it's noodles and max secretary bailey whatever you want to call him and they're basically talking about like Max is like, you framed me, blah, 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 blah. You tried to seek out revenge and I got the ultimate revenge kind of thing. And like, they're having this very calm little dispute with each other. And then in the background, you hear Yesterday by the Beatles, the jazz rendition. Did you pick up on that? I wrote down, I said, why are the Beatles playing? (laughs) I think it was just like the a nostalgic feel that they were trying to give out, like thinking about when things were simpler for them, like how things got so crazy because this is a, like an arduous story. Like there are so many different twists and turns. Um, They're trying to reminisce back to when things were simpler. Um, Doesn't fit within the era whatsoever, 
yesterday had not even came out, I don't think, at that time. Maybe, maybe not. Um, but upon the release, 1984, it probably was pretty prominent. It's, I don't know, it might have been out already. Um, 68, yeah, probably. Yeah. We are not Beatles experts. That is a bit before our time. Yeah, I love the Beatles, but yeah, songs by year, I don't know them. Um, I thought that was a cool little touch, though, because that song just very much so like provokes nostalgia, like talking about yesterday and different times. And like they're trying to do that, but also like the confliction that they have in the present is like surpassing that. And they have this little dispute. How did you interpret the last scene with Max when we see the garbage truck roll by or whatever truck that is? What did, what did you interpret there? Well, that's our other band name. If we ever, it's our our next band name is Death by Garbage Truck. <laughs> You're on it today. <laughs> I uh, I don't know. I thought the the again Death by Garbage Truck was interesting. I, I thought really the scene before that is I think probably one of the best scenes of the movie where it's just them talking and mm-hmm. we are we figure out that Max yeah almost like went undercover and faked his death. And, but I loved just the conversation that those two have because it, it wasn't like super clear. I just talked about complexity. Like it, there is so much complex feelings and emotions going into this where noodles is learning that his friend kind of friend now was still alive and, but he's super corrupt and he's asking him to kill him. Like what a complex ask, Uh, by the way, if I ever become a disgraced politician and ask you to kill me, uh, <laughs> it's up to you, man. Whichever way you go, I'm fine with. We'll definitely um, be canceling Teachers Talk Film. Um, <laughs> well, we won't be. Teachers Talk Film, all nation, TTF nation, I'm going to stay with you. Um, we would definitely kick X-Ray off the island if you ever went sour, which we don't foresee happening, so. But I'm glad you're kicking me out, though. You're trying to get me on the right path. One one thing I really loved about that scene, uh, Noodles goes through the whole thing. And I love the indirectness about it. Like, he won't call him Max. And yeah. he's like, he is talking to him. Like, he's talking about Max in the past to Max, to Secretary Bailey. Like, I love that. And it all kind of comes together when he says... You know, like back in my day, we had a crew. People would come and ask us to do things, take jobs, do bad things. The job you're giving me now is a job that we would never touch. And I think that that does two things. It shows that Noodles is not about this. Like he's not going to go through with it. And it shows that Max is completely like gone and lost. He's not who he used to be. Because if he was who he used to be, he'd never ask Noodles to do this. And then it, it kind of ends with Noodle says, it's just the way I see things. And I don't know what about that line. I love it, though. It's just the way I see things. And he's like, that, that's just the way it is. That's the way that I view the world. And I'm leaving and I'm getting out of here and I, uh, I've, I'm living with my decision. So I, I love that last part. I think it's just reinforcing the idea that he is no longer Max. I think it's like I touched on that quote, like this country's still young. It's good to have diseases while it's growing up, basically. 
like we're seeing the spectrum of the disease here through the the criminal mobsters the noodles of the world and then the people like the in position of power like the secretary baileys and the police officers and the The jimmy clean hands yeah the ones conspiring in these terrible things that appear to be like positive on the surface but like obviously they're just just as corrupt as the mobsters and so like in a sense like it's definitely not max like it's definitely a new persona but at the same time he's doing the same bad things just on a different team oh yeah that's a great point but yeah that and I think that that's something that still happens today too is you you start doing bad things when you're in seventh eighth grade and it just gets ramped up and turns into different things as you get into high school and college and become an adult it just gets channeled into different avenues and different ideas. And that was a great point. I like that. It ties back again to my nature versus nurture debate. If they had a different upbringing, if they had the life of a Deborah, they might have been the next uh, Cary Grant or Humphrey Bogart, or whatever, you know. Um, Kanye West. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, but yeah, if they just different upbringing would have provided different opportunities later. But at the end of the day, I don't view, I feel like in his own mind, Noodles felt like he had the upper hand on Max at the end of the day, but they're very much so just the same person, despite their sort of like quasi position or power, so to speak. Yeah. All right. Uh, I have, I have, I think, one more big point to make. Let me hear it. We, we've been maybe dancing around a little bit, but I'd like to dive a little deeper. Okay. This whole review, we've talked about the men. Mm-hmm. It's time to talk about the females, the women in this story. Uh, I feel like it's become cliche to say like, oh, people can't write female characters if you're a man. Watch this movie and you will agree. This was so bad, man. And I, that's not something I notice hardly ever in books or movies or stories in general but at any time a woman popped up on this on this on the screen I was embarrassed like I was embarrassed as a dude because not one woman in here gets treated with an ounce of respect no they they are just like completely powerless to men uh, they are like begging men to be with them. The only person who has any like even somewhat compass of what they are going to do is Deborah, and she like wants mm-hmm. to be a dancer or and then wants to be an actress. But even that like gets tainted by the male characters. Uh, it was it was hard to watch. It was it, it was not good, not good at all. And again, yeah, I guess this movie is dominated by the men. But we we could have had some female character that was positive in some way or had just wasn't completely controlled by men in every single way possible. Yeah, and I don't think any character I can I can't define any character in this movie as positive. Um, Right. 
but this movie fat is Mo. i like fat mo he's just kind of regular regular yeah, he, he just kind of goes with the flow i would True. agree with that um this movie is incredibly sexist bad 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 dude to the point where it's like we don't need this scene we don't need we understand these dudes and what they do like we don't you don't need to show me this the one that i'm yeah. referring to is the one where it's noodles and deborah in the back of the car and oh it just God. comes out of nowhere man like what what dude i was so uncomfortable like i was mad like i got my blood started to boil i was like i don't need this and it kept going on and on and on and i was like we get it this moment this type of thing has already happened before um we don't need to see it um just yeah these women were powerless and obviously like you talk about like the 1930s and whatnot like there was definitely like a power imbalance and just a respect imbalance um i can't speak on it obviously because i'm a 90s boy right um, born in 95 um but this is definitely like to the extreme like to the point where you don't have to show some of these scenes to show me that these guys are just these hyper masculine um lust craving guys like we don't need some of that especially the scene in the car moves the plot along in no way no deborah deborah was already leaving and like going to hollywood going to california that could have the conversation could have ended right there what happened did not need to happen in the movie in life it it was just so not needed and it didn't even it didn't even like change their relationship in the future when he comes back looking for redemption it could have been just been you're a terrible dude i don't want to be with you i'm going to hollywood peace out not this just like disgusting uncomfortable scene yeah and does she try to help him at the end yes she does and that, that's she says like go through the the, the back door and don't go- look back like, yeah, and she's like, if you go through this story, you'll be, I'm afraid you'll be destroyed. Yeah. Like, at the end of the day, she's still trying to help this guy. Like, have some dignity. Like, have some self-respect. I I agree. Yeah, the char- the women characters, they... And this is all, like, we're mad at the writers, not yeah. the characters. Like, Yeah, not the characters. Yeah, just the yeah. way they're portrayed. It's like, oh, like, again having that little anecdote of her saying go out through the back doesn't help anything other than the fact that we know that there's something crazy behind the other door. He ultimately opens the other door and we see what goes on. So we don't need to, you don't need to tell us that like we, we can interpret it. Um, It's just showing like the submissiveness of these female characters, which I didn't like. Yeah. Because they don't need to be written that way at all at all so i think that that was my last main point because that that was my biggest thing with this movie it's like man it it was uncomfortable every time um and then it just became again with how long this movie was every time a lady popped up on screen i was like okay how are we gonna do this and every time it was like negative not good yeah yeah i agree yeah not a fan of that portion yeah all right any any last thoughts? Yeah, I got. I have a ton of notes for this, but I think we were kind of just touching on it. Um, I wrote down, Leone loves the Zoom. Yeah. 
it got well how do you feel about the zoom action well just from what you said i don't think i noticed it as much as as you do one of the things that i wrote down is that it it's like the cinematography takes its time mm-hmm. like we we start in one place and i guess that is the zoom it's the slow zoom from getting to where he wants the camera he just takes a forever to get there uh and it like it doesn't lull you to sleep but i i enjoy it like i, I like the cinematography of this movie again it definitely makes it longer uh but yeah i i enjoy it what do you think about it i liked it in parts but in other parts i felt almost insulted with some of the zoom <laughs> um like there's the moment where um it's 1930s noodles and he goes back to the the gang safe fun suitcase yeah and which there's no way that suitcase would be there still <laughs> let's just say that um like yeah they they have the key for him there's no way that suitcase is still there after all that time so plot hole um but nonetheless they open the suitcase and it's just the wads of cash and it says like one wad has like a note wrapped around it that says something like for your next big project or something your next job yeah yeah and it just like he opens the suitcase and the camera's behind him to look towards the left and then it just zooms in on that note and it's just there for seconds i'm like i can read it like you don't need to zoom in like that's not a very impactful plot point like i thought some of the zoom where it was like zooming in on the characters faces in intense moments worked but there were some moments where i'm just like you're clearly trying to say like this is going to be important or something but i don't need you to zoom in like this here's another one about like things taking a long time can somebody tell me because i cannot figure it out why does the phone ring 24 times across multiple (laughs) shots and like I, I was just waiting, like, okay. And they, they even trick you. They show, like, three phones in the meantime. And then finally, when somebody does pick up the phone, I'm like, okay, this has got to be big. This has got to be huge. This phone is ringing through the space-time continuum. And I don't even remember what, what the phone call was about. So it must not have been that important. And it was so annoying. It annoyed me so much. You're referring to the first one, like, at the beginning, where it's, like, right before we see quote-unquote Max phil and pat dead yes yeah it's at the beginning yeah yeah that dude that went on for like a minute and 45 seconds it's insane and i i cannot figure out the purpose of it it was a cool sound bridge because it did like take us from the like the chinese theater which i thought was interesting i there might be some historical context there i don't know it it's it's an opium den yeah like i i picked that up but like I, I I figured that out when I was reading stuff about it. I did, I knew he was smoking something, did not know it was opium. Yeah, but yeah, my question is just why there? Why is that added? Um, but yeah, there's that. And then it's like the sound bridge from the phone call. And then it takes us to another room and then another room and then to the crime scene, I think. Yeah, um, yeah just cool sound bridge for the first 30 seconds. But... Yeah, it goes on. Like, all right, I got it. Like, (laughs) you don't need to keep it going. Yeah. One other quote I wrote down is when Noodles comes back. This is in the beginning as well. Noodles comes back and he runs into Fat Mo, 
And Fat Mo says, what have you been doing all these years? And he just says, I've been going to bed early. Like that just said so much about who he was now. Like he used to be this gangster. And now like he's gone to upstate New York and just like kind of lived his his life in maybe peace. Mm-hmm. So I, I really like that line. Just I've been going to bed early. It says it says so much with just saying a little bit. Yeah, because there was the moment right before that. My dog's shaking in the background. Can you hear him? A, a little bit. Yeah, little it, bit. it's 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 not as bad as the the telephone ringing through the yeah, yeah. through the scene. No. Great connection. Great connection. Um, there's the scene like where it's 1930s De Niro and he's talking to the one girl whom I don't even know her name again another character flaw but it's like right before he's going to rat out Max yeah I don't know her name either yeah I don't think she has one um but he says like I'm gonna be home later and she's like I like when you're home late at night and he's like it might take a couple hours or days blah 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 like this guy just kind of does his own thing with no regards to anybody else yeah, and then he finally says at the end, he's like, hey, I- I'm not coming home tonight. Like, get it? I'm I'm out of here. Yeah, yeah. That was his his character like comes full circle, but he doesn't at the same time. Yeah. Cause he's... Yeah, and I think that, that like that's okay. That adds to that kind of complexity where we're I'm not totally sure how to feel about him by the end, and I like that. I will say, like, back to the full circle thing too, like the last scene where everything had happened we know about max the death of max everything we know about secretary bailey the ending strategically takes us back to 1930s de niro when he goes back to the opium house whatever you want to call it and he goes back into his little bed and it's just the shot right above his face and he starts smiling yeah i interpret that as him i interpret it in two ways i interpret it in the sense like this was the first one i came up with like he knows that like that past life is gone because he doesn't have the baggage of his crew anymore and like he can maybe start to live a more noble life but then on the other side, I also interpreted like, what if he knew that that wasn't actually Max and he knew Max was up to something else and he was like the biggest scammer of all time and Noodles knows that and like he's just kind of like Ooh. shaking his head smiling about it. Because I took it as the first way and only thought about it as the first way that he's just like relieved. Right. That yeah, all this is kind of over and he can, yeah, just relieved that that second one is interesting that he knows it the whole time i'm trying to poke a hole in your theory but i don't know if i have one and i mean i think i gravitate more towards the first one the first theory like he just like yeah that sense of relief yeah but i can't trust this guy at the end of the day i don't know what he's thinking yeah i thought it was interesting that the end credits just rolled over his smiling face staring at you yeah that was cool it kind of gave me the the shining vibes at the end yeah. of that movie yeah yeah all right we ready for a score we're ready for scores we are all ready right hit scores. me with it um 
I said a lot about this movie. One thing I didn't touch on was the melodramatic score, which I thought was really, really oh, yeah. good. Touches Great. on, yeah, it says there's a lot of scenes where no dialogue is said, but enough is said just through the sounds and the music. Um, Especially across the time periods, like we yeah. get the Roaring Twenties music and the, yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, so I thought that was really cool. Um, overall... I give this movie an 89, um, 89. Great movie. I initially had it as a 91. I thought about it and I think I was kind of just like hung up on the plot twist, which gave me a 91. I was yeah. Like, yeah. Like let's, let's also remember the first three hours <laughs> and 30 minutes of this movie, um, which was good. Um, but it definitely dragged out a little bit. Um, I feel like there were a lot of characters that didn't necessarily need to be in there, like take out one of the four main mobsters. Like if it was just three of them, I feel like you can maybe develop more characterization with others outside of Max and Noodles. Um, but it's a good movie. It's incredibly long. It's one that I'll recommend to people who like these types of mob stories it's probably not one that i'm gonna revisit again anytime soon um but that's okay it's an 89 great movie great movie yeah i probably halfway through this movie i was like "Uh oh this movie might not be all it's cracked up to me like i was thinking i was gonna hit in the 70s i was yeah it was like i was enjoying it but it was like okay come on let's Let's get on with the program. But I, I think this, as the movie got better, or as the movie got longer, uh, it got better. And it's a very long movie, so it kept getting better as it went. And like I said, I love the last hour, which I think put like a good taste in my mouth. Um, so I ended on an 85. Okay. 85. Yeah, I, I love the cinematography, love the score, um, like the story in general. My big problem is the characters like I talked about, but 85. Yeah, gangster movies, man. I love gangster movies. And I think that this is, it's not on the level of like a Goodfellas or The Godfather, but it's it's up there. I, I, I definitely like it like a lot. I will not be watching it again. I can promise you that. Yeah, I would agree. It's a one and done for me. But I, at the same time, I am I am so happy to check this off the list. It's like if if somebody ever asked me, "You seen Once Upon a Time in America?" I can say yes, all four hours of it. I've done it. <laughs> uh, so yeah, yeah, I, I liked it. I liked it. It was quite the feat. I thought you were going to give it a higher score. Um, Eighty-five still quality. That's a solid B. Solid B. Yep. Love it. Love it. All right. Let's move. uh, Let's move post review. We, we, we sent some, each other some emails today Mm. uh, about what's, what's going on in class. We've talked about it a little bit. Uh, We've talked about our, our, I'm doing the superhero thing. You're doing your blockbuster unit. Uh, I will say I started my superhero bracket today. Ooh. So, so kids got up, they had to explain what their superhero, their name, they had to give like their powers, their abilities, their weaknesses. Some of them have 
sidekicks. Some of them have cars, uh, and then they have to defend why why theirs would win. We did not finish, but I think we had a good time. It was fun, uh, and maybe I'll give an update on on who the winning superhero is in in future episodes. But it, it's been a ton of fun doing, and yeah, kids are engaged. Kids kids are doing it, and. and yeah, it's cool when like the whole class comes together to focus on on one thing. It's cool. Yeah, I agree. I'm excited to see the results of that. Um, TTF Nation, my dog is just going absolutely bananas right now. Um, I'm not hearing it. I'm not hearing it. So really, he's like dragging his bed around the <laughs> office. But I'm here for you, TTF Nation. Um, I got him wrangled up um, and. I'm here to tell you about the blockbuster unit that we started last week. This was something I wanted to talk about this week. Um, but last week I did a, a little lesson on like intellectual properties and how blockbuster movies oftentimes take intellectual properties and adapt them into blockbuster films. Um, anybody not aware of what that is? Basically, it's when movies take an existing thing like a graphic novel, a book, a toy line, a character from another show and basically give them its own movie. Um, an example of this would be the toy, the transformer toy turned in then to a movie, the intellectual property being transformer, the toy. Um, but I had kids create like a intellectual property pitch of like what they would take as an intellectual property already and give it to a blockbuster film or a studio to pitch it um and i wanted to share a couple of them um wait so i have a, a clarification question yeah 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 do they have to take something that exists already like a toy or do they have to come up with the toy themselves no no they have to take something that's already existing Ooh, okay. I like it. I like yeah, it. Great question. Great question. I want to hear your answer as well, what it would be. Oh, I don't, I don't have an answer. I'll think about one. Um, All right. All right. Actually, you know what? I just came up with one, um, <laughs> but I'll give you that here in a second. Um, okay. I'm going to share two. Um, one was Chester the Cheetah from Cheetos. Mm-hmm. Versus as a movie. Yeah, versus the movie title would be this Chester versus Tony, Tony Ooh. the Tiger. Yes. And they have a debate and they just have a battle royale to determine which brand is better. Almost um, like a like a Rocky movie. Like, yeah, exactly. We, we see them training. That'd be sweet, man. Yeah. So that was one. And then <laughs> and this was another one. Um, the Kool-Aid Man. You might have asked yourself multiple times, why the heck does the Kool-Aid man just burst through a wall and yell, oh, yeah. Um, well, I'll tell you what. These kids found the answer. Um, the Kool-Aid man in their world lives in a world where thirst is apparent and thirst needs to be quenched. And the only way to do that is by the Kool-Aid man giving everybody Kool-Aid in the world. Um, but the Kool-Aid man doesn't do this without a foe. There is an adversary in the saltine cracker. It's just a gigantic saltine cracker. 
walking around trying to make sure nobody is quenched um and which proposes a lot of dilemma for the kool-aid man um so it'd be like kool-aid man versus the saltine cracker i thought that was great I, th- I thought you were going to say that his nemesis, his foe, is like every every wall that he comes into <laughs> contact with <laughs> that he must break through and overcome. Yeah, but what- each wall is like a representation of like his inner psychological weaknesses. <laughs> like, yeah, we're getting super deep with the Kool-Aid man. <laughs> and the, the climax of the movie takes place at the Great Wall of China. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but no, they went a little uh, more shallow with the saltine cracker, <laughs> which I love, which I love. Well, I like that we, you know, I mean, movies today, it, it's all about creating the universe. So we right. have two universes created here with the extended serial universe <laughs> and um, maybe just like the snacks in general, like the, the next movie after the Kool-Aid Man could be like the zebra cake, the cosmic brownie mm. man um the keebler elf oh yeah he can yeah he can make a guest a cameo uh (laughs) no man those are good those are good you want to hear the best one though yes this one's mine that i just thought of um this is the story of let me grab a prop you can throw this in the video i i saw the prop you grabbed and Again, I am I am in marvel of your genius. For TTF Nation listeners not viewing following us on TikTok or not yeah. following us on Twitter, you're missing out. Follow us, Teachers Talk Film. Find us because we're gonna make the Steve's machine is wearing a mask of MF Doom, <laughs> the supervillain of hip hop, the MC of all time, best goat. He is going to be in his own biopic where he um, has to battle weak MCs for the quest of the golden microphone. He will be dropping rhymes like dimes, some may say. Uh, Oh, my. This would be this would be amazing. Amazing. And you know what? (laughs) For those not not. That's not the two of us. What I am currently looking at is Mitchell Main, Mr. Main, Steve's Machine, just making, um, I guess I would call them rap uh, hand gestures into the camera. He's wearing a mask. We've talked about him wearing the Riddler glasses, and now it looks even more like it because he has a mask on. He's still doing it. He's not stopping uh, and I'm worried that he might just be doing this for forever. The mask has come off. Thank goodness I got worried for a second. Uh, in all seriousness, no, though, what a movie that would be, especially with like MF Doom's album covers being like comic books, like jumping back and forth between the comic book kind of like animation style into like real life. Dude. Yeah, each album being a movie of its own, and like we create create the Doom universe. How soon? And then that we be? we incorporate like MF Doom, uh, an known collaborator with a lot of people. We get Mad Lib in there. Mm. Okay, if okay, TTF Nation. We, we've talked old school rap. If you have not listened to the album Mad Villainy, 
you're not a you're not a fan of hip hop. I'll just you're not you're not a fan of us either. Go listen Correct. to it right now. I'll I'll say it's not for everybody. It's different, but it, it's amazing. Um, it, it's it's fantastic, and one day the movie will be made. So, if you listen to Mad Villainy front to back and you don't like it, stop listening to Teachers Talk Film. This is not the <laughs> podcast for you. Yeah. 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 If, if it, you're not about that, um, we're not about you as, as, uh, Kanye West would say, go find God. <laughs> I want to show you something else too. Um, all right. This is great the podcasting. The, the visuals, the yeah, visuals, yeah, the visuals are just prime podcast content, but uh, again, I will be, uh, I will be, um voicing what i'm seeing which is an mf doom drawing and i want to assume that a student gave you this which makes it 20 times cooler yeah student gave me this um shout out avery he's okay with me saying his name i'm sure um he's graduated he doesn't care he's not listening um (laughs) shout out avery you gave me that um it's the mad villainy cover actually so anybody who wants to get hip and doesn't know where to start, you just Spotify, Apple Music, Mad Villainy, search, find this album cover, because um, clearly you can see it right now as you're listening in your car. Um, yeah, you start there. Front to back, you're welcome. All right. I, I don't know if I can think of anything better to end with than that. Not the ropes right now, man. I'm, I'm we seem to be we seem to be spiraling, spiraling like I'm, I know the Akiru episode was long. This doesn't feel as long as that one was, but maybe it's just, you know, we got the end of the year juice in us and we're, we're just, just feeling it right now, baby. We're feeling it so much <laughs> that I, Pete Ray, am about to say. Petey slow hands. Let's hey! go. To, let's go to a Yankee game, boys. That was beautiful. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. You know, I'm a man of my word. I said at some point it would come out. And I think did I call myself Petey slow hands? I mixed Petey's fast hands with Petey slow feet. I just, I honestly just heard PD slow something because I was yelling. I, hopefully the TTF Nation listeners can actually hear what you said. And again, I feel like we got to reward the listeners for listening this long. No clue how long this episode is going to turn out to be. But if you sit through the Once Upon a Time in America review, or even if you just skip to the end to hear the banter between us, you deserve, you deserve complete stupidity and us, our brains unraveling. You're a real one. If you're here with us right now, you're a real one. You're um, a real one. And if you're really a real one, you will, uh, you will tweet. You will email us right now saying, you guys are idiots, but I'm listening to <laughs> your complete and utter, as it says in the podcast description, nonsense, which is one of my favorite things we do here at Teachers Talk Film. Nonsense, baby. I agree. I got we got a tweet yesterday from one of my homies back home um, who just took a picture of him listening in his car. Shout out MJ Achi. If you're listening to this, shout out you. Appreciate you, brother. Appreciate you. That picture that hit me deep, man. That hit me deep down that that is our podcast on that car, uh, that car radio display. 
tears came to my eyes. <laughs> um, we've done it. We've made it. We've got nothing left to do. Yeah, you got the slow melodrama piano from 1920s come into your frame. <laughs> uh, yesterday by the Beatles yes. just played in the background. <laughs> Camera just slowly zooming in on those tears. <laughs> a, a long, slow zoom. Um, wow, man. I, I think we got to get to the movie because I don't know how much longer I can do this. Yeah, I'm, this is what happens. First of all, before, I'm not going to let you off the hook. This is what happens when you give me a four hour movie to talk about and you give me no time to myself <laughs> and just let my mind ramble. This is what you get. So TTF Nation, this is because of X-Ray. Um, next week, we are watching a film that is related to school in a bit, in a little way, um, but a film that is likable by a lot. Um, a film that is going to be fitting for us because it's our last week of school. And somebody said, booyah. Booyah. <laughs> a little delay there, but we'll take it. We'll take it. Um, I, was, I wasn't sure if you wanted me to say booyah or what, what was going on. It was a little no, calm response. I wasn't ready for it. We, yeah, yeah. We're, we're not at a hip hop concert. We can't do a call <laughs> and respond quite yet. Um, we're watching Rushmore. 1999 film directed by Wes Anderson. Great movie. Um, maybe, maybe it's bad. We'll see. We're going to talk about it. It's one we have both watched, um, but I believe it's under the two hour mark. As I'm awkwardly staring at you, X-Ray, it's under the two hour mark. Um, Thanks for um, that. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Taking we'll shots. We'll um, under two hours interesting movie light lighter than once upon a time in america maybe um but we'll see we've both seen it we're going to give you our thoughts next week stay where tuned. can where can we find this movie there mr main you can find this on prime video baby it was off for a while but it is back in action now the wes anderson banger i don't know if you can call wes anderson movies bangers but i, I did yeah I'll okay. You. you know what? Next week on Teachers Talk Film, is Rushmore a banger? Or do we have to define it as some other term? Find out next week on Teachers Talk Film. Until then, TTF Nation, thank you. Stay up to date on things. Do your homework. And peace out. Peace out. Peace out.